just a prayer, prayer that's very well known. Let's just pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If I asked you the question, what is prayer? I just wonder what your reply would be. Perhaps you would say that, talking to God. How about talking with God? Spending time in his presence, asking God, listening, all sorts of aspects of prayer. One fairly comprehensive answer that I discovered is this, that prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God, agreeable to his will, in the name of Christ, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. I think they try to fit every definition in every possible thing except praise perhaps and a bit of listening. But it's a fairly comprehensive um, thing. Lots of people pray. After all, we've been all made in the image of God and we're designed to commune with God, to have relationship with him. According to a survey done by Comres on behalf of Tear Fund last year, 51% of adults say they pray. And even among those that say they're not religious, one in five say that they pray. And among those who pray, over half say, yes, they pray when they're in a crisis. They cry out help. The next most common reason cited by those who pray is because they believe in God. And they believe that prayer makes a difference. Is that you this morning? Are you here this morning believing in a mighty God and that prayer makes a difference? I believe prayer is one of the most wonderful, powerful weapons we have. In some mysterious way which I can't explain, it seems that prayer moves the hand of God and changes things. God answers prayer. The disciples watched Jesus and he prayed a lot. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, when you pray. So it's something we are to do often, when you pray. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer. Pete Gregg, the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, has produced an excellent course on prayer, which uses a series of six videos based on the framework of the Lord's Prayer. We did this course as a home group just before the summer holidays, and it was very good. It's freely available, so if you want to find out more about prayer and you've got a computer, go on to YouTube and search for the prayer course. I too will be using parts of the Lord's Prayer for some of the thoughts I believe the Lord wants me to share this morning. As I prepared, the opening words of a well-known hymn came to mind. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Privilege is often just given to a particular group of people, maybe even just one person. And in the Old Testament, that was true. It was the privilege of the high priest to once a year go into the very Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. And that was only once a year on the Day of Atonement. But now, under the New Covenant, that privilege of coming into the very presence of God has been extended 
to all of us who trust in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. We don't deserve to be able to approach the throne of grace with confidence, but we can. We can't earn it. We can't certainly buy this privilege. It's only because we're relying on the finished work of Jesus on the cross that we can approach our God. So let's uh, give you a few more thoughts on the privilege of prayer. And the first thing I want to say as we look at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer is how are we to approach our God? And the first thing I think there is, is... Whoops, gone too far. (laughs) What's happened? Oh, there we go. (laughs) Um, Is intimacy and all. See, the first words of the uh, Lord's Prayer are our Father. What does that speak to you of? Does it speak to you of a God who is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, provides for our needs, is the very source of our life, and longs for our presence? Last weekend, we had our grandsons over for a sleepover. I'm sure some of you had sleepovers, either with children or grandchildren. Um, Sleepovers tend to be partly a (laughs) wakeover. Because in the middle of the night, both of them woke up at different times. And so I went to their bedrooms, they were in separate bedrooms, and uh, they were scared of the dark a bit. It was just too dark, I can't see. And just being with them and being present with them and being close to them, one of them loves to hold your hand. (laughs) The other one likes his back rubbed. (laughs) But there's that intimacy that, we, that I had with them in the middle of the night. And very soon, after just being sitting on the bed, holding their hand, rubbing the other one's back, they went back to sleep. We too need to know God's presence, that intimate presence as well, and spend time with him. Sometimes we don't need words. It wasn't the time for my grandsons to give me their Christmas list. <laughs> They didn't need words. I didn't need lots of words. Sometimes we don't need words at all when we're intimate with someone, do we? You can just sit in their presence and enjoy it. When you don't know what words to say, the Bible says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. But it's not just intimacy. We come to the mighty God. We come to the all-powerful one. We come to the creator of the universe. As one of our songs says, he flung stars into space. He is the God who rules and reigns. He is the king of glory. And so we can but fall down in adoration and worship and awe. The next thing is adoration. The prayer goes on in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. And what we're really asking for in that is that we honour and glorify his name and we want others to do the same. In the first session of the prayer course, Pete Gregg highlights how we can start our prayers with adoration. I think by adoring and praising God, it does two things. I think it helps us to come into his very presence and it glorifies him, but it also brings our needs 
into a perspective, doesn't it? In the light of his glory and his grace. In the New Testament, the name of Jesus is very strong, has a powerful source of power. And we end off our prayers, don't we? In Jesus' name, or through the name of Jesus. And it's not just a, uh, a phrase to stick at the end of your prayer. It's very important that we realise that when we're coming in prayer to Jesus' name, it's the only way we can have access to our Father. However, how easily can we be deceived? I've had a good week, we ask ourselves. I've been very faithfully serving the Lord. I've prayed every day. I've read the word. I've done so many things. And somehow we think we've got a better right to come into his presence. We think our prayers deserve more answering. Um, we haven't performed well. We've performed well all week. We've done what God wants. Surely God will now give us the answers. Well, if you do that, you're coming in your own name and not in Jesus' name. In John, um, Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. We need to approach God in the name of Jesus. The next thing is, your kingdom come, your will be done. And it's essential ingredient as we approach our Father in heaven that we come desiring his kingdom, his reign to come, and not an increase in our influence and our kingdom. It also says, remember in the Sermon on the Mount where this prayer was read, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Prayer is not getting our will done here. Prayer is about getting God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. If we ask in line with his will, he'll surely give it to us. If we ask things for our own pleasure, he'll often say no. James 4 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane accepted his Father's will for his future, was the best path for him, and he needed to submit to it. Wasn't that a heart-rending cry? Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. And who wouldn't have wanted that cup to be taken from them facing death? But he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Oops. Next thing I want to talk about a little bit is how we ask, because the prayer goes on, give us this day our daily bread. And the focus is very much on our needs rather than our wants. And it's intended to be a daily dependency. It's so easy for us, perhaps, to squirrel away money and all the other things we, can, we need in our lives and just forget about God. But it needs to be a daily dependence that God will meet our needs. And I think it's specific as well. I don't know what your favourite food is. Is it a daily curry? I don't know. But you need to be specific as to what you want. Yeah? 
God answers and glorifies, gets glory when we find that to be the case. Our God is so generous, so gracious, that often we find he supplies more than our needs. And we thank him for it. But if he's blessed us, it's so that we can be a blessing. If we have an abundance, if we have extra to our needs, then we can give it to others. I know that many of you do this through sponsoring a student at MFA. Jesus puts that petition before confession. But confession is an important part of our prayer life. We need to be forgiven. We don't always get it right. But notice the different, the, the connection. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And the two are very closely connected. And if you have not forgiven other people for what they've done wrong to you, it says quite clearly in Scripture, God can't forgive you. So it's very important we do both. We ask God to forgive us, but we also forgive others. It's in a sense a sin, and sin is a barrier in prayer, in fellowship to God. The psalmist said, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. To cherish is to esteem, care for, and hold dear to our heart. It's not necessarily something we did or fell into once. It's not just the occasional sin, it's something we're clinging to. Are you clinging to sin? Because if so, God does not listen. It may be something outward, but often it's just something of the heart, a resentment, a grudge, something we've got against somebody else, and we just hang on to it. I couldn't really mention whoops, about prayer without mentioning faith, but I haven't got time to explore it. But certainly it's important that we believe that God will answer our prayers. I'll just read a verse from James which says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Jesus, we just read two parables, one about the friend at midnight going for bread and the other one about the judge and the widow asking for justice. And in Luke 18 it says, Jesus told these parables to show that they should always pray and never give up. An important part of our prayer life is that we don't give up and we go on praying and praying until we know that we've received the answer or that God shows us that we should no longer pray. Persevering in prayer is not because we have a reluctant God. Yeah? We're not comparing God to that unjust judge, where he is completely different. It may not be the right time to provide the answer, it may be that he wants to make changes in our lives before he can give the answer. Sometimes we don't know why we have to wait for God's answer. Liz and I have a friend in Kent. For some time she's battled with depression and she often asks us to pray for her. 
We try to do this regularly, as well as encourage her and listen to her on the phone. We offered to visit her recently and were turned down. And she told us she didn't feel life was worth living. We continued to pray. Isn't it funny when you continue to pray, something often gets worse? You find that? You know, you pray and what's going on, God? It's getting worse. And she ended up having a spell in a psychiatric hospital. She was still very unwell when she came out. But we continued to pray. And the good news today is that I can report that she's a lot better and that she's now allowing us to give her a visit next week. So God does answer prayer, but often we have to go on and on. Sometimes perseverance is rewarded in a mighty way. Faithful, earnest and persistent prayer seems to be the main starting point for any extraordinary move of God. In 1949, saw the beginning of the Hebridean revival, when in the tiny village of Barvis on the Isle of Lewis, two elderly sisters, Christine and Peggy Smith, were sitting by the fire, lost in prayer. One of them was 82, bent double with arthritis, and the other was 84 and blind. They couldn't do much, but they could certainly still pray. And on this particular night, they were burdened deeply by the absence of young people from the church across the fields. A burden perhaps we share here. Suddenly, one of the women received a vision of young people filling the church. It was as simple as that, the sort of thing we might gloss over if we received a vision like that. And they summoned the minister to the house next morning and told him to get ready because revival's coming. What do you suggest I do? The minister asked. What you should do? They gasped. You should pray, man! They then proposed a deal. If you will gather your elders and pray at the barn at the other end of the village at least two nights per week, they said, we will do the same here from ten at night till three in the morning. They persevered like this for many weeks. There were no instant answers. There were no further visions. There were no young people miraculously turning up at the church. And one particular night, one of the elders stood to read Psalm 24. And it starts, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Brethren, he said, it is just so much humbug to be waiting thus, night after night, month after month, if we ourselves are not right with God. They nodded, and he continued, I must ask myself, is my heart pure? Are my heart, my hands clean? And he lifted his head, emitted a strange cry, and then fell to the, his knees, and crumpled on the door on the floor. The barn was suddenly filled with the presence of God. It was a moment that would later be identified as the catalyst that loosed a power that shook the Hebrides. Over the next four years, the majority of the population of the Isle of Lewis 
surrendered their lives to Christ. Empty churches were repopulated with young people. There were miraculous signs and wonders, and the entire Hebridean society was transformed by the gospel. I don't know what you think about revivals, but I just really think about that heart that those octogenarians, those 80-year-olds, had a burden, and they prayed. God spoke, and they prayed. They didn't see any new answers, and they prayed. And then, revival broke out. Just want to mention one other answer, because the next point I've got is, God does answer prayer. Prayer does change things. This is a story you may know, but I think it's worth repeating, about George Muller. You know George Muller who uh, had orphanages in Bristol. Things looked bleak for the children of George Muller's orphanage at Ashley Downs in England. It was time for breakfast and there was no food. A small girl whose father was a close friend of Muller was visiting in the home. Muller took her hand and said, Come and see what our father will do. In the dining room, long tables were set with empty plates, empty mugs. Not only was there no food in the kitchen, but there was no money in the home's account. Muller prayed, Dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. Immediately, they heard a knock at the door. When they opened it, there stood the local baker. Mr. Muller, he said, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow, I felt you had no bread for breakfast. So I got up at two o'clock and baked fresh bread. Here it is. Muller thanked him and gave praise to God. Soon, a second knock was heard. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. He said he would like to give the children the milk so that he could empty his cart and repair it. Was that simply coincidence? Many would say so. Archbishop William Temple simply said to such people, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. James says something even more. If we, want to, if we don't pray, we won't have answers. James says you do not have because you do not ask God. It's so easy for us to have burdens, to have concerns, and we simply don't pray. We talk about them, we grumble about them, we moan about them. Why can't this happen? Why won't that happen? We don't set, make that an aspect of our prayer life. We don't come before the one who can provide the answers. Perhaps we're thinking about the number of young people and young families in our church. Have we asked? Are we still asking? Are we going to pray for Ben and the team of people who are working with the youth? Are we going to get behind them in prayer? Because unless God moves, not a lot's going to happen except a lot of activity. We need God to touch their hearts of the young people here. We need God to move. Sometimes we don't understand some of the answers. One of the things that happened here when we first came was Amanda Bentley. Some of you will know her, some of you won't. Had collapsed and was then diagnosed with a brain tumour. 
and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, praying that God would heal. As we know, sadly, Amanda died. We don't understand why we get that answer. We don't understand why the answer was no to the healing. It's a mystery, really. When we get unanswered prayer, I think it's a challenge to us to do two things. In that case, it was a challenge to mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep, stand alongside Jay and the rest of the family. But also, we just have to go on trusting our God that our God knows the best. He knows the best for us. Finally, I uh, want to um, speak just two words from the reading in Acts. Do you remember that wonderful release of Peter from prison that Ian read? Yeah? And the two words are but. In verse 5 it says, So Peter was in prison. There was a difficult situation, but the church was praying earnestly for him. If we've got difficult situations, is that our response? But the church prays for that difficult situation. Going on, it then says, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. In fact, if you read the story, there were 16 guards to keep Peter in prison. But then there was, suddenly... In response, God acted. He sent an angel. He got Peter out of that prison. And so, yes, some prayers are answered because we persevere and we have to wait. But gloriously, some prayers are answered suddenly, immediately, as it was in George Muller's case. That morning, they needed the food in the orphanage and God answered on his release from prison, I just love the attitude, don't you, to the people who are praying. Would that be our attitude? We're astonished. It can't be Peter. It must be his angel. We didn't really believe there was going to be an answer. But praise God, there was. There's going to be an opportunity to be prayed for this morning, not just after the service, but also during the singing of our last two songs. So if you have a situation you want to see God turn around, then do come forward for a prayer this morning. Ian will explain the uh, mechanics of that. I believe that God wants you to see breakthrough of situations, perhaps that you've been struggling for for some time. I end with this. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we did not carry everything to God in prayer. So as Ian has said, let us pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We can talk about prayer, think about it, but we've actually got to do it.